Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to Gather and Go, the podcast that helps you plan, promote, and lead better trips. I'm your host, Brian Jewell, and I am so happy that you decided to spend some time with us today. And as always, our promise to you is that we're going to do everything we can to make that investment of your time worth your while. And today we're going to do that through an interview with Todd Powell of Vacations by Rail. Todd started this company a while back. You're going to hear all about how he fell in love with train travel, started a tour company uh, specifically devoted to taking people on amazing train vacations and pick up some tips that will help you plan some wonderful trips for your groups, including trains, both uh, day excursions on trains and even some overnight train trips. You are not going to want to miss that conversation with Todd. It is full of great ideas. Before we get there, though, let's start with some travel news you may have missed. A major tour company is giving customers some unprecedented flexibility. A Globus announced earlier this month that it is adding eight itineraries to its choice touring product in Europe and North America for 2024. Now, originally launched in 2021, Choice Touring is a flexible group travel style that gives customers expanded choices of activities to suit their interests. The week-long Choice Touring programs each include two or three days, during which travelers can choose their activities from a menu of pre-planned and pre-paid options prepared by the tour company. The new 2024 itineraries will be available in Switzerland, Italy, Portugal, Spain, Canada, Northern California, and the Southeastern US. Examples of activity choices uh, include things like cooking classes, shoemaking experiences, spa treatments, bike tours, and boat cruises. Now, the Choice Touring Program represents only a small portion of Globus's overall tour portfolio. Uh, but if the concept continues to prove popular, we expect to see it popping up on a variety of trips from Globus and other tour companies. Well, now it's time for the road tip segment of our show. This is the part of every episode where we dig into our bag of travel knowledge from decades on the road and deliver some tips that we think will help you make your upcoming trips or your clients' experiences better and more hassle-free and hopefully a little bit more fun. Now, you're going to hear me talk with Todd Powell today all about uh, vacations uh, on trains, traveling by trains, uh, including some overnight trips by train. This is a fascinating way to travel, but you know what? There are some things that you need to know in order to do it right. I remember it was probably about 15 years ago. I did a trip uh, on Amtrak from Minneapolis all the way to Portland, Oregon. Now, I stopped uh, for a couple nights in Whitefish, Montana as part of that trip. Uh, but it was an overnight trip on the Empire Builder line. Uh, and I spent two nights on the train, one night uh, on the way from Minneapolis uh, toward Montana and the second night uh, from Montana to Portland. Now, it is a fascinating experience to sleep overnight in a train. I was in one of the roomette compartments, which had uh, basically a convertible uh, chair that turned into a bed. It was a fascinating experience overnighting on the train. There were things I loved about it. Also, a couple things that I wish I had done differently after having that experience. The biggest mistake that I made was I started my journey late at night. Uh, the Empire Builder route at the time began in Chicago. I chose to actually pick up the train uh, in Minneapolis. And the Minneapolis departure was at something like 10 or 1030 at night. And what that meant was that uh, 
almost as soon as I got on the train, I had to start getting ready to go to bed. And well, that didn't work out well for me because there's a lot to get used to your first time on a long haul train trip like that. And I was still just trying to get used to the motion of the train on the tracks and uh, where things were in my compartment. I had so much rushing through my head uh, when it was time to go to sleep that it actually made it pretty tough for me to fall asleep. And my body hadn't yet acclimated to what it was like to be on a train, to the back and forth motion, to the sound of the tracks. It actually made that first night's sleep pretty difficult. So my tip to you is if you're going to do an overnight train trip, make sure you're starting early enough in the day that you and your travelers get accustomed to life on the train before it's time to go to sleep. I had a pretty fitful night's rest uh, that first night on the train. Thankfully, I stopped in Whitefish, as I mentioned, and had a couple of nights in a really nice hotel there, which helped me kind of refresh. On the second leg of the train trip from Montana on into Oregon, I slept much, much better. And I think that is in large part because I got on that train around 6 p.m. and had four or five hours to reacclimate, to train life, to unwind, to have dinner, to really relax before I began thinking about going to bed. So you're going to hear much more from Todd about all these sorts of issues when we get into the featured conversation. But my two cents, if you take one of these train trips, and I hope you do, is that you should really start early in the day and give yourself plenty of time to acclimate before you try to sleep on a train for the first time. That is your road tip of the day. Now, before we move on, I want to share a little bit of news from us. If you followed us at the Group Travel Leader very long, I hope you know that we are all about bringing you valuable resources that will help you plan and promote and lead better trips, but also operate a more successful travel organization. And we have a new resource designed to help you do just that. It is called the Group Travel Toolbox, and it is available to download free on our website right now. And this free uh, PDF download, you are going to get insights on all sorts of topics that will help you lead a better travel organization. Uh, it's going to teach you how to streamline some of your processes, uh, bring some of your website and uh, online operations up to date with the very latest tools and technologies. Also give you ideas about how uh, you can deliver hotel experiences, overnights and other travel experiences that will thrill your guests to help you solve problems that uh, frankly, everybody is trying to solve in the current travel environment and ultimately help you build a better, more streamlined and more profitable travel organization. So how do you get this? Well, it's really simple. You go to grouptravelleader.com slash toolbox. Just pop your name and email address into the form you see on that page and we will email you the download instantly. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you take advantage of it and I hope you let us know what you think. That again is grouptravelleader.com slash toolbox. And of course, I'll put that link in the show notes. So if you're driving or working out or can't write it down right now, no sweat. Just come to the episode page or look in the show notes at the bottom of your podcast player and you'll see the link right there. Well, it's just about time for us to get into our featured conversation with Todd Powell. Before we do that, I have two things I want to let you know. Number one, there's going to be lots of information in this interview, and you don't need to worry about taking notes or writing it all down because I'm taking notes for you. That's right. I'm going to recap a lot of Todd's information and some of the insight he shared in the show notes on this episode on our website, as well as uh, in your podcast player. You'll see it all down there. So no worries about taking notes. Just sit back and enjoy. 
And after the interview is over, I want to encourage you to stick around toward the end because uh, I have some thoughts about how your itineraries might be frustrating your travelers without you meaning to. And I'm going to share those ideas in today's hot minute. You won't want to miss that. We'll be right back with Todd Powell. All right, everybody, I want to take a minute to tell you about Corbin, Kentucky, home to adventure, history, and hospitality. Nestled in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains in southeastern Kentucky and conveniently located off Interstate 75 by the shores of the pristine Laurel Lake, Corbin is the perfect adventure destination. It's home to Cumberland Falls and the only moonbow in the Western Hemisphere. Corbin is also the birthplace of KFC. You can still eat where it all began and tour the state-of-the-art museum to learn the unique history of Colonel Sanders. Stop by Sanders Park and take a selfie with a bronze statue of the Colonel. Then spend a day enjoying the races at Cumberland Run, Corbin's new thoroughbred harness racetrack. And if you're a food lover, Corbin is definitely the place for you. Downtown is full of locally owned restaurants, not to mention lots of great shopping. When you bring your travelers, you'll find a warm welcome because Corbin loves company. To learn more, follow the Corbin Tourism and Convention Commission on Facebook or visit CorbinKYTourism.com. All right, everybody. My guest today is the co-founder of Vacations by Rail, a company he started in 2004 to share his personal passion for train travel. He's traveled extensively by train across the United States, Canada, and Europe, and he helps clients plan train trips to places as far flung as Mexico, Australia, and Thailand. He enjoys spreading the word about train travel in the media, and he still makes time to escort groups on their railroad adventures. Todd Powell, welcome to the podcast. Brian, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here and talking about rail travel. It's a fantastic way for people to travel, and if I can spread the word, think it's great for everybody. Absolutely. We are thrilled to have you here. It's, uh, it's obvious uh, in talking about uh, talking to you and, and reading about some of your history that uh, you have a really deep love for train travel. So I would love for you to take us to maybe that first experience. Uh, what happened in young Todd Powell's life that made you say, I love traveling by train? So uh, I, I studied, uh, I studied overseas, my first uh, overseas experience, I studied in Rome, and I wanted to I wanted to uh, go snowboarding in Switzerland, and I really couldn't get anybody to say, I'm going to validate my year rail pass now, and I'm going to go uh, travel because they're saving it for, for later in the year. So I went by myself, and I board the train at Termini Station in Rome, and, I, and the train leaves the station, and I fall asleep on the train. And I wake up, and I'm in a tunnel, and the train just comes blasting out of this tunnel, and I am in the middle of the Alps with unbelievable amounts of snow and i see these little like chalets down in the valleys with their chimney smoke kind of wisping out and it was at that moment i'm like this is the way to travel and it was just stunning and i really got a sense of the journey and there's a real uh true excitement uh when i i traveled from from italy up into switzerland and I thought this is this is just this is a way to do it. This is a way to see to see the world, to engage uh, with people, and to travel. So um, when I when I came back from uh, when I came back from college, I ended up working for a company that um, that 
that uh, sold European rail passes. They're owned by the German Railway. They're called DER Travel Services, and they're one of the main two wholesalers of European rail passes. And I read timetables to people on the phone, and and uh, mm. it just kind of grew my career from there. And and really, you know, it, it always coming back, you know, throughout my career into rail travel, and, and it's just a really special way to to see the world. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. What a memory. So you, uh, you got out of college, you were selling rail passes, you did a bunch of other things uh, in business and in travel over the years. And then what happened uh, in the lead up to 2004 that made you say, you know what, I'm going to start a train travel company of my own. So during the dot-com days, I would draft business plans. And so I drafted a business plan that was for a rail, uh, a rail company, uh, a rail tour company that was kind of going to approach travel in a different way. Uh, more personalized experiences and uh, had to table that for a while. And then an opportunity came up after I was working on some domestic travel product that involved rail travel, um, the Amtrak product. And I had an opportunity. There's a gap in the market. We saw a need. And so I contacted a, a friend of mine who I met in the travel industry. And I said, hey, I've got this business plan. We both have some opportunities. We have some some downtime. Let's, let's launch this. And it was... Uh, it was an amazing experience, really. We we launched the website in two weeks. All right. So two weeks, October. I remember I'm sitting in my front yard of my, my little house there, and it is me and the cat there, and I'm at a cafe table, and I tell I tell Cole, who's uh, one of the co-founders, I said, Hey, turn on the marketing campaigns. And all of a sudden, 45 minutes, the phone rang. And within 45 minutes of phone ring, I looked at it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I looked at the cat. I'm like, what am I going to do? I threw in the headset and I started talking and four calls that day, 16 calls the next. And then we soft launched it in two, over 2000, uh, throughout 2005. And then from there, it just continued to grow year after year. And it's been a, it's been a fabulous, wonderful experience. So I, I want to dig into some of the details of the train experience, because I, I think we probably have a lot of people in the audience who have maybe been on a, you know, a short little a day excursion on a train, but have never even considered it as a mode of travel, you know, something to build a trip around. So why don't you start by giving us kind of the big why? Uh, there are so many different ways to travel now. You can go, you know, buy a motor coach, get in your own car, you can fly, you can take a cruise. So what makes train travel special? You know, when you're looking at train travel, uh, particularly um, just kind of that overall experience, one, you have to look at it as part of a rail, uh, as part of a vacation, as part of a holiday. You have to look at it as an experience that you're that you're going to have and not just a mode of transportation. And I and, and in that respect, rail travel really kind of ticks the boxes of what people are looking for today in terms of their travel experiences. You know, one, it's super experiential. You know, you get on the train um, and for, for me and a lot of the travelers that take it, let's say you're going to be doing a long distance train. Let's say you're going to take the Canadian between uh, Toronto and Vancouver and you go to the train station and you get on the train and you go to your sleeping compartment I mean, the adventure kind of starts right there. You know, here you're about to embark on an overland journey for four nights all the way across Canada on an iconic journey. And, you know, there's all these things. There's like the romance and there's the, uh, you know, the, the things you might see in movies. So in your head already, you're starting to kind of build these things up. And then the train leaves the station and kind of at first, at first kind of like little 
jerk that the train does as it starts to move. Then all of a sudden, you know, the adventure begins. It reveals itself over the miles of track. And then, you know, you go to your sleeping compartment or maybe you go to the dome car. The next morning, for me, one of the, the most favorite parts of rail travel is when I get up in the morning and I go down to the dining car and I'm having breakfast. I might be sitting with some people and I'm having a cup of coffee and I'm looking out the window and I, you know, I always tell people the scenery is like kind of this moving artwork. And so it really is just this adventure and it's very experiential. And I, and I think, you know, particularly when you look at the, um, uh, how people are sharing their, their travel, it is about the experiences. And so train travel really fits into that. The other thing is that it's super local, right? You know, I mean, people are looking for local connections. When, when you go to the train station, you know, if you're one of these uh, train stations in, in Europe, uh, let's say you're at the, uh, the Friedrichstrasse Bahnhof or the, or the Hauptbahnhof in Berlin and, you know, there's shops and there's, there's uh, coffee and there's pastries and, and, and people are living their lives doing, you know, what they do on a daily basis, going to and from these train stations, whether they're commuting or taking a long distance train. So you have an opportunity then once you're on the train to connect with local people and have this local experience. And so people are always striving for how can I get a local experience? Well, when you're on the train, you're getting the local experience. You know, then you have the 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 kind of like aspirational side of it. You know, you look at some of the luxury trains and kind of the 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 glamour and the the Ritz and the romance of boarding a train like the uh, Venice Simple and Orient Express or the Royal Scotsman, you know, I mean, those are iconic, iconic train journeys. And, you know, when you're dressed up in a tuxedo, if you're in the Royal Scotsman, and like it's something that I did is I went and, as they would say, I hired a, a kilt, right? And I went to the, the place to get my, my kilt rental in Edinburgh. And then, then I'm at the black tie in the evening and I have my kilt on and then, you know, you spill out onto the platform uh for uh for entertainment at some small station and it's just it's yeah it's it's magical so i think it really it really it really ticks the boxes and frankly people love trains they love them everyone yeah. i talk to i love trains so yeah oh, i can imagine it's not it's not a hard sell um you mentioned a few different uh, parts of the train that i'd love to get into more detail uh you talked about dome car dining car sleeper compartment for people that have never done that multi-day trip let's start with sleeping what what does it look like to sleep on a train what is the space like do you get a good night's sleep or are you kind of you know fighting it all through the evening yeah so you know those are some those are some some great great questions you know and i think that that what you have to people have to remember is that you know the the space on the train is is limited you know there's only as wide as the tracks are going to be and and um a lot of the compartments on trains, they, they end up having uh, what you call like upper and lower berths. So let's take an Amtrak bedroom, for example. An Amtrak bedroom, uh, it's the largest compartment really on the train. Uh, and it has a kind of a like a, a like almost like a sofa on one side with a sitting chair opposite. And then those convert in the evening to an upper and lower berth. It has an in-room sink, toilet and shower on those particular ones. So uh, So that's uh, that's a decent size room. Uh, then you have like cozier ones, like a romette, which has two, uh, two seats that face each other. And then they convert to upper and lower berths. 
And so those are uh, cozier. And so and, and they do vary from train to train. And then, you know, there are some trains like people might not know this, but let's say you're on the Canadian the Via Rail's Canadian service that goes between uh, uh, Toronto and Vancouver, where you could also break up the trip and stop in the Canadian Rockies. Uh, they have like a they have a larger suite called the Prestige. That's their luxury. So it's a it's a it's a large room. Um, has a a screen in it for like movies. It has a little mini bar. It has like it's it's in it, and it actually has a a double bed that that comes down. It's like a Murphy bed that comes wow. down the wall. So that's a that's a that's a, a a larger one. And there's also some of these other bedrooms you can make kind of a joint and you can kind of pull out the wall. So now you almost have like you know you could have four people in the, in the compartment. So, so there, there are definitely ways, uh, different ways to configure it, but again, you're on a train and it's going to be, it's going to be cozier than one, than, uh, than, than, you know, you would be like, if you're like on a, a cruise cabin or something like that. Now you also have to eat, right. And you mentioned the dining car. Uh, what is that experience like? You know, I mean, is it a, is it a snack bar? Am I slumming it on, you know, Fritos and, and uh, hot dogs, or is it actually more enticing than that? It's, it's definitely, it's, it's more enticing to that. And they, again, this also varies from, uh, from train to train, you know, there's, uh, there's, dining cars where they have full grill service and they're making up the eggs and they're bringing them over to you. And, you know, there's a uh, table service, you know, you have a lot on, uh, you know, via rails trains, or, uh, let's say example, you're doing like the Rocky Mountaineer all daylight service in the Canadian Rockies. And they have like, if you're in the gold leaf service, they have the dome up on the top where you're sitting and in the bottom, they have, uh, more gourmet meals. So, uh, where they're serving it with local wines and these things. And so, those dining car experiences vary from from train to train. And then if you're going into Europe, um, a lot of the trains have like a restaurant car where you can go and order off a menu and they'll they'll prepare. Like in Switzerland, I had some like these great like, uh, you know, crepes with fruit and like Nutella. Mm. And then you have, you know, so so there's there's various types of, of meals. And a lot of times they're kind of geared towards what's local. And then uh, you get into some of the luxury trains, you know, and those are really kind of upscale, uh, upscale me- meals. But it does vary from train to train. So it's important, particularly when you're thinking about, you know, say you're a group, le- uh, group leader and you want to um, and you want to communicate what these are. You want to spend some time with, you know, like vacations by rails, uh, uh, rail specialists and advisors to make sure that you're communicating um, and setting the right expectations for for the for the group travelers. So there are many things that I would imagine a traveler might want to stop and see along the way. You mentioned the possibility of maybe stopping in the Canadian Rockies, you know, on the on the Canadian expedition. How does that work in a, a train itinerary? Because the, the train's got to stay on schedule. The train's not waiting for you. So how do you help people plan? stops or, you know, little side trips, chances to see those highlights, uh, in a way that doesn't, you know, disrupt the train and the schedule and all those other things they have to do. So that is really where vacations by real rail plays a, a, a super important role in, in, uh, people's travel experiences. And when it comes to rail travel, you know, our, our staff, you know, combine probably hundreds of years of experience in travel and rail travel and know um, know the ins and outs of, of of taking the train and when the when the train is uh, going to 
depart and arrive and how that ties into other itineraries. We have a, a product development team uh, that focuses on that product to make sure that uh, everything works out so that you're able to take, if you're going to take uh, the Jacobite steam train in Scotland, you know, is that going to get you to where you need to be so that you can also have lunch and then also you can do some touring and sightseeing and then board another train to go to go along to the next to the next uh, to the next destination on the trip. So uh, so we have everything timed out and we and and we're always thinking about kind of those redundancies, you know, because, you know, we all know travel can is not always it's everything's not a 100 percent perfect. So uh, knowing that. Um, if a train's delayed, what can we do to um, to make sure that the, our guests have a still have a fabulous experience as they're uh, as they're touring and sightseeing? So, uh, in a similar vein, do you have many clients who say, um, "I want to you know do the four night train trip, but I want that to be part of a larger vacation uh, that also includes some land touring that might include uh, some motor coach movements or some vehicle movements." Uh, or do your clients really just focus on we're going to make the train the centerpiece of this vacation and then save that other stuff for some other trip? No. So so our our itineraries are really about the train integrating into a larger experience because mm-hmm. people want to take the train, but they want to go see other uh, other parts of the country or uh, the destination. So uh, the train Maybe something they want to experience, and they can put it part of uh, part of that trip. I think a great example of that is the tours that we have in the United States. Um, there's a really a rich, uh, rich, deep history between the railroads and the national parks. So if uh, we have our tours that go to the national parks, our escorted tours, and you have a trip like our America's uh, Treasures and Natural Wonders, for example, and this trip. We'll have people leaving from uh, Chicago and doing the overnight train to Glacier National Park, or people want to board in Seattle and go to uh, over to uh, you know Whitefish and Glacier National Park. You can do that as well. And then um, that is we have these group departures, and the group comes together. And then once they get to Glacier National Park, we take them onward by motor coach to places like Yellowstone, Grand Teton, Jackson. And then this particular one, we'll motor coach people all the way to Salt Lake, uh, Bryce Canyon, um, Zion National Park, Grand, Can- uh, Grand Canyon, and then they'll leave out of Flagstaff. So at that point, they have a choice. They could take the train again, or some people will decide to fly to fly home. So a lot of our tours are like that, where you're combining these iconic rail journeys or rail experiences with a broader itinerary that includes whether it's national parks or, or you know, spectacular destinations like in Italy or in, in, in France. And so, so they're all put together with a, you know, kind of a, uh, a great rail experience and then um, some fantastic sightseeing and, and touring. I'm glad that you mentioned the example of the uh, America's national parks because, you know, many people think of train travel and, you know, we know that Europe has an amazing railroad culture um, in the U.S., partly, you know, just because of how large a, a country it is. Um, we don't have as much rail coverage. And so I think many people may not even realize that there are ways to do a, a railroad vacation in the U.S. So you mentioned the national parks. What are some other examples of a way that you can see America from a train? 
So what you can do, there's a, a, a number of different ways to do uh, the United States from a train. And you can incorporate these long distance rail journeys like the Empire Builder, the California's Afro Southwest Chief Coast Starline. You can incorporate those. But there's also great rail experiences that are just more heritage and heritage trips and historic trains. So, for example, we have a, a very popular tour called the Colorado Rail Experience. And the Colorado Rail Experience is uh, is by motor coach. So we're taking people are starting in Denver and we're motor coaching and we're doing sightseeing around Colorado. But we're also doing these historic and heritage narrow gauge or um, cog rail railways. So you'll do like the Georgetown Loop or the Leadville, Colorado and Southern Railroad, the Durango Silverton narrow gauge steam train, the Cumbres Toltec Tech and the Pikes Peak cog railway. So so there's there's ways to incorporate fabulous, interesting rail experiences along with a broader sightseeing package, which may be motor coach touring and these, these short line railroads. In fact, that's how we do a lot of our uh, our fall colors. Our, a lot of our fall colors trips uh, are just like that, where people will do motor coach touring to see the fall colors, and then they'll do uh, some of the some of the historic trains like the they might go up into 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 Canada. They might do the Conway Scenic Railroad. Um, they'll do the Mount Washington Cog Railway, but they'll incorporate those rail experiences into also their desire to see the fall colors in the New England states. So, as you know, a lot of our listeners are group leaders, maybe tour companies, tour operators that specialize in groups. What are the considerations for taking a group on a trip like this? Is there a maximum feasible size or a minimum feasible size? And do you, do you have to alter the itinerary or the operations to make it work for a group? So with our escorted tours, um, we are able to accommodate groups of anywhere from, uh, you know, from say 10 or 12 people uh, to, you know, complete exclusive departures that may be 40 plus uh, travelers. So there's a lot of ways for us to do these tours and work with group leaders to provide a great rail itinerary and tour for their groups. So if you even look at some of our European tours, what we do is we have some tours that, for example, the Glacier Express and and Rhine River Cruise. So we'll incorporate river cruising with some land, uh, land touring by train in Europe so that people can do do both. They can have this great land and rail experience and then connect up to a river cruise. So in those situations, you have a lot of flexibility in the group size because of, you know, a, a hundred plus people that we can accommodate on our, on the river vessels that we, that we charter. So, so that is um, how we can work with groups. We have some itineraries that are just with smaller groups maybe a maximum of 25 people. And again, up to 40 and then more, if you want to do things like the uh, rail and river cruise. So for, from a group standpoint, you know, group leaders should, when they think about, you know, what is a what is a, an interesting new itinerary or experience that they can that they can bring to their to their following. I mean, rail is right there again. We talked about how it kind of ticks all the boxes for what people are looking for in terms of how they want to travel now. But rail travel, because you have these groups on the on the train. And they can move around and they can talk to each other, you know, and, and get to know each other, you know, much more kind of flexibility of moving around than they would say on a, 
on a, on a pure motor coach tour, it's a really a great opportunity for the group to build a cohesiveness between the group members and have this really shared experience and develop some relationships, which is, you know, something that I know that's very important when you're, when you're running these tours, you know, you want that group to gel and having that, that, that shared training experience really provides that opportunity for that group to come together. And then in terms of, uh, in terms of like transportation, you know, you look at the transportation, if you say, well, the rail isn't just transportation, it's a, it's a highlighted element of the tour. It's one of the, it's one of kind of the, uh, it's, it's really kind of that kind of the, the bedrock of the tour, because we're, we're really building itineraries around these great rail experiences. It, it, it really kind of differentiates those rail vacations and rail tours from other types of tours that are out there. So you know, we find when group leaders come to us uh, for for uh, uh, for ideas, you know, and and then their groups take the trips. They really they really have a, a great time. And and then, you know, we have professional tour managers and guides. So the group leaders are really uh, they, they really, um, you know, know that their their following is in in, in, uh, in great hands. So I always like to uh, ask the question about cost because I think that's something that's on a lot of people's minds. So um, when you consider a vacation by rail, um, is the train adding to your cost are you, or are you maybe saving some money by sleeping on a train versus having to get a hotel? How, or, or is it just a, does it you know, run the spectrum? How does integrating a train into your trip affect the cost? So... If you look at if you're doing long distance trains, okay. So if we start with you know having sleeping accommodations on the trains and and the meals on the train, for one, you need to look at how um, how that experience uh, is positioned, right? So it actually is part of the, the holiday. So it is a night on the train. You know what? It's not staying in a hotel. You're getting the sightseeing. You're getting uh, the meals. You're getting the sleeping accommodation. So in terms of like upgrading to a bedroom accommodation, it's going to add some cost to the trip. But um, at the same time, that is uh, that's really considered part of the holiday. Rather than staying in a hotel, you're having kind of this moving hotel that goes through there that includes includes meals. So um, and then in terms of you know, let's say our grand train tour of Switzerland, 11 day tour, uh, 11 day tour in Switzerland, where you're going to do these great, uh, these, these, uh, journeys like the Glacier Express or the Golden Pass or the Bernina Express. What you're really doing is you're really just kind of saying, Hey, we're not going to use a motor coach for this. We're going to be doing it by train as, as not only the, the, the most fabulous scenery, right. Going through the Swiss Alps by train on some of them, uh, what are considered some of the the most scenic lines in the world. Um, but you're going to have an experience and then you don't have the motor coach. So in terms of like the pricing itself, they're all, they're all, uh, very competitive against other types of transportation and, uh, and touring. Yeah. Well, that's great to know. Uh, lots of good ideas here for our travelers. I, I hope they are uh, being inspired as they listen. Uh, what is the best way for people to follow you or the company, learn more about what you're doing and uh, see about experiences that they might want to take for themselves? So people should go visit our website. That's the, that's the best place. Vacationsbyrail.com. Vacationsbyrail.com has 400 plus independent and escorted rail holidays around the world. And uh, they can also follow us on if they want to just get inspirational ideas, go to our Vacations by Rail Instagram, uh, Instagram page. We, we post up some videos, tips or traveling on there as well. 
But, you know, one of the, the ways particular group leaders reach out and talk to our talk to our rail specialists and and uh, tell them what they want to do with our groups. They can just call our, our call center, 877-929-7245. Tell them they have a group and uh, and they'll be more than happy to help uh, create some um, some great ideas to bring forward to their to their following. Absolutely. It's a great way to see just about any place. So uh, I think people will really enjoy it. Now, before we let you go, uh, we do have some final questions that we ask every guest and these are just for fun. So you can uh, kind of just answer off the top of your head. There's no pressure. Okay. Uh, when you are booking travel, wh- whether it's on an airplane or, or, or booking a, a train, do you opt for a window seat or an aisle seat? Um, uh, when I am on a plane, I go aisle. Um, with limited with limited exceptions, a couple of flights, I'll say I'm going to take the window because I know there's going to be some great scenery. And that, mm-hmm. and then on a train, I'm I'm on a I'm on a uh, I'm on a window. I'm on yeah. a window when I'm on a train. Yeah, makes sense. Good strategy. So, uh, what's one thing in your carry on that you wouldn't travel without? Um, I think nowadays, I think I'd have to say I'd have to say my my headphones, my my AirPods, right? Mm-hmm. I, I want that in my in my in my. <laughs> And, uh, and my find it seems pretty obvious, but I think like, you know, there's, uh, there's definitely those moments where you're, you know, you just want to like tune out for a, for, for a moment. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I think that's it. And, um, always some guy, always like, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of a fan of like paper guides still, you know, I like mm-hmm. having a, like if I'm somewhere being able to flip through a book. So depending on the destination, I might just like pick up a guidebook and throw it in my bag, you know, as long as it's not like, you know, 400 pages, you know, it's gotta be very (laughs) specific and tailored. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, Great advice. Uh, next question. If you had that normally I ask a free airline pass, but we can include rail if you want uh, a free rail pass uh, and a week with nothing else to do, where do you think you'd head next? Oh my gosh. Um, Right now, in my mind, I I just been kind of circling back on this. I just there, I I, I want to go to the uh, to see some 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 national parks. Mm. So I think I would have to hop on V Rail's Canadian service. I think and uh, and take that uh, take that for a bit. Hop off in uh, in the in the Canadian Rockies and see Banff and and and, and Jasper, and then hop back on the train. And actually, as a total side side note to that. I've been having some conversations about the difference between rail experiences and people always gravitate towards the the Rockies. They want to see the mountains and all these things, but there's just something so interesting about the plains. Like the, Mm. it it really showcases the vastness of a country. And there's kind of this loneliness of like hearing the train horn and like seeing a house. And, and so, so I think, you know, doing that trip all the way across, um, would be, uh, I think if said someone said to me right now, but the reality is, is it's usually the last train I was on, the one I want to take again. So you just give me a, you know, <laughs> just, give, just give me a pass to do that one one more time. Nice. Well, our last question is, uh, what's something you have seen or done in your travels that you wish you could go back and experience again with somebody you love? Um, I did a trip I think it was probably March. So a little bit over a year ago, I did the uh, Via Rails uh, Via Rails service between Winnipeg up to Churchill, um, Manitoba, 
to see the Northern Lights. Mm. And it was just, um, it, it was, it was, it was magical. I mean, I, I mean, you know, you're just one, you're on a train that at one point on this two night train journey, there's no longer a road that gets people up to Churchill. It's only by train. So then you have all these like people like putting their groceries on or like taking things on and like flagging the train down. So that was super, super interesting. Uh, and like some Arctic hair, like racing the train alongside it. I thought that was pretty cool too. Wow. <laughs> and, and then to go see the mat, to, to go see the Northern, the Northern lights. And, you know, there, it, it, it's, uh, it was really like a, um, uh, you know, people talk about seeing the Northern lights, but it really is almost like, like the, the universe has kind of this pulse as the Northern lights are kind of like pulsating through the sky. So, uh, so I think that's something that, you know, I would, I would, I would share, uh, would really want to share with someone I, I love and someone I'm close with. Well, man, that sounds amazing. Uh, definitely inspirational. I'm going to have to um, look into your website and start putting my bucket list of train trips together because uh, this sounds like so much fun. Todd, thank you so much for joining us. Brian, thanks for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Todd as much as I did. You know, a train travel is one of those things that many, many group travel planners honestly have never really thought about. But I hope after that conversation, uh, you will give it some thought. And I want to actually circle back to a few things that Todd said because I found them really insightful and I think they will be really helpful for you. So I want to make sure you don't miss them. First of all, when we were talking about the appeal of train travel as a way of taking a vacation, Todd said train travel is part of your vacation. It's an experience you're going to have, not just a mode of transportation. And among uh, many of the benefits he mentioned of train travel, he said the scenery is like moving artwork. I can certainly attest to that from uh, various train trips that I have done. Uh, you see scenery from a train that is unlike anything that you see anywhere else, frankly. And uh, it's really part of the highlight of a train vacation. Now, when we talked about combining trains with traditional touring, Todd said people want to take the train, but they also want to see other parts of the country. And he went on to say there are ways to incorporate fabulous and interesting rail experiences in motor coach packages. If you've never done much with your group on a train, I would suggest this is the way to get started. Uh, your people may be hesitant to uh, sign up for a trip that includes some overnights on trains or, or long hauls by trains, particularly if they're not comfortable with it. But you can definitely introduce them to the idea by doing some smart and strategic integration of train experiences with traditional touring that they might be more comfortable with. And you never know, if you do that, they may just ask for some longer train experiences and give you an opportunity to really dive into some of those fascinating trips that Todd talked about. And finally, when we talked about the group travel dynamic when it comes to train trips, Todd said groups can move around and talk to each other on a train much more than they could on a motor coach. So it's a great opportunity for the group to build a cohesiveness between the group members, have a shared experience, and develop some relationships. The train provides an opportunity for that group to come together. You know, the more time I spend in group travel, the more I'm convinced this is perhaps the most powerful element 
of group travel is the incredible community building and relationship building that can happen in a group trip. And so if that is something that's important to you, important to your members, maybe even part of your organization mandate, really consider a train adventure as a way to supercharge that relationship building. Great stuff there from Todd Powell. So we talked in the travel news segment at the beginning of the show about how Globus is expanding its initiative to give group travel customers more choices of activities on their tours. And you know, this brings me to a topic that I have thought about a lot recently. I've written about a lot recently, and I can't overstate enough, which is that I'm afraid that a lot of group travel planners are inadvertently frustrating their travelers or warding off potential travelers by the way they plan itineraries. Now, I don't want that to happen to you. So I am making the idea of choices on tours the topic of today's Hot Minute. Yeah, that's right. The Hot Minute is the portion of the show where I take 60 seconds to give you my unfiltered thoughts on an issue impacting tourism every day. Today, we are going to focus on integrating choice into group tours, why you should do it, and maybe some ways to make it work for you. So let's put 60 seconds on the clock and get into it. If you are forcing all your group tour customers to do all the same things on every trip, well, I've got bad news for you. You're probably frustrating them. You know, one of the things that holds a lot of people back from traveling with you is the widespread idea that group trips take away all their flexibility on vacation. Now, 40 years ago, maybe it made sense to have everyone on a group trip locked into one single itinerary. But now, in the information age, well, there's really no excuse for forcing your travelers to do everything together. You know, it's easier than ever to plan trips that include free time and options and flexibility. Now, true, it may take some legwork and some creative thinking, but I believe the result is going to be a much higher value for your travelers. So if you want your travel organization to thrive as consumer tastes change, it's time to stop frustrating travelers and start giving them smart options. That is the hot minute. You are welcome to agree or disagree with me. And of course, as always, we can still be friends. And hey, agree, disagree, have thoughts, questions, other ideas. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at podcast at grouptravelleader.com. I read every email that comes into that address, and I would love to know what you think of the show, how we can deliver more value to you in the future, and I'd love to hear uh, other thoughts and questions and ideas you have. And you never know, your thoughts and ideas and questions may just be the topic of the next hot minute. And hey, while you're in the mood to give us some feedback, would you do me a big favor? Could you go to your favorite podcast player and look up Gather and Go? And first of all, if you haven't already, hit that follow or subscribe button so that you get every episode of the podcast instantly the moment we release it. And also, I would love for you to give us a rating, give us a review on that podcast player. It is a really big help to us. And I am grateful to everyone who has done that. My thanks as well to Todd Powell for joining us on the next episode of Gather and Go. I'm going to bring you a conversation with Luke Buscoll of Aero Stage Lines. I'm going to ask him all the questions that you have been wanting to know about chartering motor coaches, why it's so difficult, why it's so expensive, and how you can do it right. You're not going to want to miss that. Until then, though, remember this. 
At the end of the day, we're all on this trip together. So let's make it a good one. See you next time on Gather and Go. Gather and Go is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Jewell. Our publisher is Mac Lacey. Tanya Simmons is our creative director. Ashley Ricks is our circulation manager and graphic designer. Our sales team is Kyle Anderson and Bryce Wilson. To advertise on the podcast, call Kyle or Bryce at 859-253-0455. Gather and Go is a production of the Group Travel Leader. For more information on our podcast, magazines, and events, visit us online at grouptravelleader.com. Thank you.